I was uh, an editor at uh, Next Newspapers in, I think, 2010 or 2009, when I first saw this powerful piece by my guest today that explained why he called himself a boy with a colorful disposition. He was questioning norms and traditions with his life and his craft in fashion, in style, in the creative industries in Nigeria. He was extremely, evidently different and he wasn't afraid to show his full self in the world. How does a person in a conservative society like Nigeria evolve from just questioning norms to becoming a national and internationally celebrated designer and creative? How has sticking with the truth of who he is and what he wants to be in the world fed over the 10 years since orange culture became one of the respected, I mean, from the get-go, from the first time he launched his brand, the first year, he was already in the Lagos Fashion and Design Week. So for 10 years, he has been a respected voice and force in Nigeria's fashion industry. That evolution, what it took, and how he looks back at all of that is what I'm talking about today in a very emotional interview with Adebayo Oke. Like how Nigerians say, like play, like play. Mm -hmm. You've become iconic. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's such a shocking intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, because I mean, I've known you for a long time. Yeah. At least, at least a decade, Sha. Over, yeah. At, over mm -hmm. a decade. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, I remember the first time you began your column for Elan. And underneath was the boy with the boy with the colorful disposition. You cringe now. But but then you know the things the culture has moved now. But then that was just even a bold thing to even just see. Just to be, you know, was just bold. And you were still in Unilag, I think, when you. Yes, I was. I was. What was the thing? What was the madness? My 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 mentor for me on this is. Um, ugliness is not acceptable, but madness is. Especially here. Especially, <laughs> Especially here. here, yeah. What was the madness that possessed you so young to say, you know, I'm going to just, in a way, disrupt the things that I was seeing? Hmm. You know, when I look back now, especially as an adult, mm -hmm. I think about this and I'm just like, was I really that intentional as a teenager? Mm -hmm. Or was I just living my truth? You know, I was just like, oh, you know, this is who I am, this mm. is how I feel, mm. and it seems like nobody's engaging these issues or these conversations, you know. People are feeling all types of ways and, mm. you know, feeling unrepresented, feeling disconnected, feeling um, suppressed, but people aren't saying anything about it, you know. And so, for me, it was just a way of like saying, okay, hi, this is me, <laughs> you know. Just and not really, just like, hi, like, okay, this is who I am, like, yeah. I don't really know how that confrontation to you of like who I am, you know, or, or who I, or what I represent mm -hmm. makes you feel. But at the time, it was just like, this is what I want to say. This mm -hmm. is how I'm going to say it. I don't want to be a replica of somebody else yeah. or, a, or a suppressed version of my reality. I want to be exactly myself from the jump. Mm -hmm. So even as a teenager, especially when you grew up, because I went to an all-boys school, you know, because I've known you since, you know, I was a teenager. So mm -hmm. I went to an all-boys school, you know, for example, and mm -hmm. I feel like at every stage of, of growing up or of, of becoming an adult, as mm -hmm. we say, mm -hmm. um, 
just the idea of not looking like everyone else or presenting yourself like everyone else or fitting into this ideology of how we were supposed to, to act be, yeah. had always confronted me. Right. Even when I didn't choose for it to confront me. It's not like I didn't go and say, oh, oh my gosh, I'm different, everyone. You know, I don't enter a room and say, oh my gosh, I'm different. Right, right. I don't say that on yeah. entry. Yeah. But every time I was in a room, especially with a lot of other men, I was always asked why I was so different. Even when it wasn't said, it was nuanced or it was like, you know, in the way that I was confronted or even like, you know, being bullied or being attacked or, you know, all, it was just so many different things. And so I feel like those different situations always made me have to say, oh, this is who I am. Like, I don't feel like this needs to be a question. I feel like you just need to accept it, you know what I mean? And so I felt like that's where it all sort of like started from, the madness started from. It was like, okay, this is a confrontation that keeps happening. And instead of them confronting me, I'm just going to, from the jump, say, this is who I am, yeah. accept it or leave, you mm -hmm. understand? So even as a teenager saying, I'm a boy with a colorful disposition, I don't think I knew the impact of how that was going to, you know, go on for the next 10 <laughs> or whatever years, and, the, and how many other people that would feel that connection to that mm -hmm. little quote, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that quote, I remember, was, it started from when I wrote the Orange Boy article which got yes. published in Elan. Yes. And that line has followed me now yes. for the past how many years? I don't say it anymore, but through the way I live my life, yes. you can see that I'm clearly a boy with a colorful disposition. <laughs> yeah. 